0: Guys, welcome back to Courtside with Sava Season 2. Today, I have a very special guest, a lead NBA insider, and a fellow basketball fan like all of us, Brandon School B. Robinson. How are you doing today? It's a huge honor to have you here.
1: Brother, thank you. The the pleasure is definitely mine, and um, I'm glad to talk some basketball. I also think it's pretty cool that on your, I guess on your right, you have that Kobe poster hanging, and I'm wondering if that you got that from 2k
0: no i did not it's a custom printout i got it ordered
1: man I, it looks like a two it looks like the 2k cover from a couple years ago mm-hmm.
0: yep yep they got the same say Martin just made it into a custom printout
1: yeah uh you, you you got a few things in the back that i if i ever come to your house i'm taking them with me um but <laughs> so i'm gonna stay where i am and stay where you are
0: <laughs> <All> righty. <laughs> well, hey, you can at least come and touch it. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. So <laughs> okay, Let's dive right, right into it. Uh, I want to talk some things NBA, but before that, um, for all the kids that are watching and wondering what there are in basketball outside of just playing and all the venues they can explore, you're an NBA insider. And being an NBA insider, it's, I guess, a relatively new thing, at least as far as like the mainstream media goes, you know, there weren't as many big names before. So, can you kind of explain for the ones who like heard about it and maybe consider it? What is more of like a day to day as an NBA insider, and what makes a good NBA insider? Because you would definitely know.
1: Um, I I consider myself an insider by default. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm somebody who, before I was in media, um, was obsessed with culture and fashion. So, um, my my family. ran and operated a a sneaker store, uh, Mm -hmm. in New York city, in Harlem specifically. Um, and so like as a baby, uh, there, there were pictures of Dominique Wilkins holding me when I was a baby or, or, um, uh, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon when his name was Hakeem Olajuwon. Like they used to do sneaker store or they used to do sneaker releases at the store. They used to wear a shoe called sneaker called Brooks, Mm -hmm. um, and Spud Webb had a, had a release at the store too. So um, I, I kind of was was, I guess you could say, born into culture basketball. Definitely can. Um, my I had an I had an uncle who um, ran a basketball league uh, in Harlem. It was a grassroots basketball league called Citywide. And um, if you if you've paid attention to the um, documentary that came out uh, a couple months ago during the summer called Point Guards, it had like Rod Strickland, Stephon Marbury, gosh, God Um a lot of those guys you know, came up under my uncle when they were on their way up in high school. Um, And even even Dredderick Irving, Kyrie Irving's dad, uh, coming from the Bronx, um, you know, he knew my family as well. So uh, we, our families have a a relationship that dates back 20, 30 years uh, in the Bronx and in Harlem and then ultimately in New Jersey. So I I grew up in both Northern New Jersey and New York City. I grew up in both. Um, So way before the media portion came about, Um, I kind of was sprinkled into that, you know, even Mm -hmm. things like, you know, my aunt used to babysit LL Cool J. Um, So when I, when I was, when, when I see LL, the conversation, he's asking me how my aunt is doing because her family, they're pillars and queens. Um, Jadakiss, a close friend of mine, uh, his mom and Jadakiss's mom, they're both sisters. So the conversation is more about community and Yonkers or, you know, things of that sort. Um, So for me, Um, basketball's foundation really started in New York and New Jersey and then you know when I turned 12 years old I I got the opportunity to audition for uh, a a radio uh, show ultimately it was a to be a kid's personality I was chosen among hundreds of kids uh, to be a radio personality for um, a, a radio station that's now defunct called Oz World Radio which was in Jersey City New Jersey at the Liberty Science Center um, and what happened was the Nets were rebranding at the time um, and they had a new logo. Keith Van Horn was their first round draft pick in 1997. John Calipari was the head coach and the vice president of basketball operations. Their starting point guard was Sam Cassell. Jason Williams was on that team. And so basically uh, I, I got my start with the Nets professionally uh, at 12 years old doing a radio show. I was featured on NBA Inside Stuff with Ahmad Rashad. Um, that that kind of set the foundation, and for those who are diehard basketball uh, aficionados and you know pay attention to to news and and transaction stuff. In '97, at 12 years old, I was sharing the locker room with Walsh when he was at the Bergen Record newspaper, New Jersey. I was sharing a locker room with. You know uh, Chris Broussard, who was at the New York Times at the time. Stephen A. Smith, who was the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, You know, so if they if 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 I feel old, I know they feel old. But you know, at at 12 years old, I I felt like the movie uh, Rookie of the Year, where the kid was pitching for the Chicago Cubs, Um, and and it was cool because I got the opportunity to sit down with him. Those were the formative years uh, for me, and I just you know I really developed. Um, a path. So during the week, you know, I was in the NBA locker rooms interviewing players mm. on weekends, on Saturdays. I was in the studio hosting a show called Net Slim and Planet. Um, and, and I just kind of kept going. Um, everybody's story is not like that, and I realized that I'm blessed. Um, And I think the thing that I'm most appreciative of outside of my early start is that once I got those two years hosting that show with the Nets, I went to high school and and was a normal kid. A lot of times when people start young, they don't have a chance to be young and they don't have a chance to kind of just grow and be out of the spotlight. So I was able to make my mistakes. I was able to be a silly high school kid, a silly college kid. I went to grad school got my master's degree, but the thing that I'm most appreciative of is after I graduated grad school, um, I was able to, um, I basically, I was living in my grandmother's basement, paying her rent, and uh, was freelancing, I was freelancing at one point, anywhere between 12, or i say 10 to 13 publications at one time, um, in my grandmother's basement, um, I, there was no stove, um, she had a two-door refrigerator, the freezer side, I uh, worked as a refrigerator. The refrigerator side didn't work. I had a crock pot, uh, a hot plate, uh, a George Foreman grill in the microwave. And I was living on food stamps at the time and was figuring a lot of stuff out. My grandmother, and I'll give you the edited version. I don't care if you got to sell your body. You better have my damn rent money in the first of the month. And she wasn't- will put some family. pressure on you and I'm giving you the edited version. I guess, I know you can guess what she said, God bless her. But um, I'm more appreciative of those formative years as an adult because it really set the foundation for what I'm doing now and how I stay disciplined and stay on task. And all of those things combined, um, it's kind of been a full circle experience for me.
0: Awesome. It's it's a great story. And, you know, obviously, as far as building the foundation, probably nobody can replicate what you went through and you can't really blame them. But uh, you know, growing up as an adult in profession, like, what are the, some tips you can give to the kids who maybe looking into the journalism, and, like, want to get their foot in the door?
1: Well, one of the things that I found specifically when I lived in my grandmother's basement was. Um, I focused on things that weren't related to basketball. Basketball was not giving me love at the time. And my mother told my late mom told me years ago, there's more to life than basketball. And I really saw that head on. Um, when I was living in my grandmother's basement, I was working at a magazine and a well-known hip hop magazine called The Source Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they brought me in, but they couldn't pay me. And so I had to make a decision was I going to work for free for a little while or was I going to just pass it up? And I used that opportunity um, to really get credentialed and get into the door, um, cover things, build relationships, um, learn how to make side deals, learn how to uh, incorporate your brand within the literary realms of working for publication. Um, And also, um, the thing that I really learned during that time was um, the. The roles that gatekeepers have or don't have, um, and I've always used this edict, and I and I'll say it on your show: uh, mm-hmm. they'll take no from somebody who's not qualified to tell you yes. It's a lot of people who are in positions who just get off on telling people no, who are not as experienced as you, have not put as much time as you, um, and you know, really and truly are not you and you have to find ways to build relationships how to schmooze but one of the things specifically that i did when i lived in my grandmother's basement when i was not working in basketball i used to go on eventbrite and just look for events to go Mm -hmm. to that had like mixers so like wine uh i don't eat dairy anymore but like wine and cheese or like hors d'oeuvres and you're just meeting people there's people that i've met at those functions in 2012 that are now in positions at Google, that are now in positions at Facebook, that are in positions with uh again, stuff that has nothing to do with basketball. Mm-hmm. And it's it's amazing. Like there's been times where a couple of years ago, pre the height of the pandemic, where I've met people at certain functions that I that I went to in Manhattan through Eventbrite. And I'm we're staying at the same hotel and we're catching up over drinks and, you know, just really catching the next idea. So I feel like in order to be in that space, um, you, you have to do a couple of things. One, build build lasting real relationships. Um, you want to talk to your subjects like you would talk to uh, your your friend or, you know, you, you want to kind of be in mixer functions where you kind of see what your cohorts are like in those Um, those mixer functions. And then that carries over into the next meal, the next Mm -hmm. run-in, the next conversation. Um, And and you have to keep up with your relationships with people, whether that's checking in and sending text messages, phone calls, grabbing a bite to eat, uh, sending over a thank you card, just certain things that are just old school uh, that our parents and our parents' parents did, um, and and being personable. I think everybody sends texts all day, but like how are you developing relationships offline, not via text, and on the phone? And so uh, I really feel like the last 10 years, 10, 11, 12 years for me has just really been spent developing adult relationships, travel, and also investing in myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I may be at a big company at Bally Sports now, but prior to that blessing that I have, you know, I was investing my own money. Uh, as an indie uh, and creating Scoop B Radio, uh, which garners 10 million streams annually uh, and and has featured, you know, g- guest spots with guys like Mark Cuban and Shaq and Charles Barkley, Pete Sampras, uh, Susan Bennett, the voice of Siri. So, you know, those relationships over time and when you build those relationships, that's why that's how you put those into media forms like you and I sitting mm-hmm. Recording this on Zoom and then it'll go in video and podcast form. It's all about relationships. This industry is small yet big, um, and just you, you want people to speak well of you, and you also want to speak well of other people, and try to work out conflicts if you can.
0: Awesome, Dad. I think it's great advice. And like a lot of stuff in life, it's simple but yet yeah, complicated. You know, and you can call it networking. It's more of a glamorous. Today, modern word, but in reality, it's all hustle. You know, it's just how bad you want and <laughs> how far you're willing to go for it.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, this, this insider role that everybody covets, I, I want to be careful um, in this instance. Um, I feel like you don't go to school to be an insider. You go to school mm-hmm. to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. You become a journalist first. You're storytelling first over time, your role will elevate you. Mm -hmm. So like anybody who, who, who hopes to be debating with a Skip Bayless or a Stephen A. Smith, you first have to be a field reporter. You first have to build skin in the game and people recognize you and people feel comfortable talking to you and you're, you're writing and you're putting in those, as they say in the book, um, the, 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 um, the, about the ten thousand hours of practice before you yes. become an expert, um, you you have to do those things. Um, so, though your goal shouldn't be to debate on 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 first take or this or that. That'll come, uh, but you first have to put the groundwork, the legwork into being an expert in your field. So, you know, I would, you you ask me, and I want to be very specific and very intentional. Um, if that's what you aspire to do, make sure you do the legwork first. Hmm
0: absolutely it's great advice and I, I appreciate that so now with that part of the interview out of the way i kind of want to get your opinion on a few things in the nba world uh obviously we just get into the season and naturally first i'm a bulls fan i live in chicago so got preseason game in like three hours going to so i want to ask you right now in the bulls community Obviously, the things with Lonzo, the season doesn't look as promising as it was last season. Maybe the team overachieved a little bit. Maybe they were just finding their spot in the Eastern Conference. You know, and you see how competitive he's going to be this year. At the same time, West is going to be super competitive. Now, the similar experience somewhat is going with Phoenix right now, where apparently, you know, obviously we don't talk about sources, but from what we see online, you know, Aiton might be not too happy with his position and whatnot. One thing that I saw online that I just want to get your opinion, you know, for the Bulls fans out there, if the season goes really extremely bad for the Bulls, some sort of an idea of getting a massive package with Vucevic, Kobe White, Caruso, lots of picks, and getting CP3 and Aiton out of Phoenix. Do you think it's something that may happen down the line this season, or that's
1: completely that, ridiculous? That's, that's the rumors. Or is that what you? That's what you hope?
0: No, no, no. I, I've seen it as rumors. Obviously, I. Don't have sources.
1: <laughs> I, well, my shirt says I don't have any either. Um, but, I, but hey, <laughs> That's, hey but, you know what? That's true.
0: Yeah, I, Send me the link. I'll get one too.
1: <laughs> but I, what I'll say to you is, um, I think that the Bulls. I'm not ready to hit the panic button yet. Like everybody, zero zero. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to scale back a little bit because um, one of the things that I I, I like about the Chicago Bulls. Um, Is that a couple of years ago, a year or so ago, um, when uh, the Lonzo Ball conversations that I was tweeting about back in 2020, 2021, um, the Bulls did have conversations with the New Orleans Pelicans back when when Lonzo was a member of uh, the, the Pelicans. And the Pelicans wanted Kobe White and the Bulls promptly said, hell no, hung up the phone. Um, the thing that I think was beneficial in that conversation is the Bulls waited. They waited. They signed Lonzo Ball out, out, outright as a free agent. Um, and the thing that is beneficial to the Bulls is this one, even though Lonzo Ball is out prior to Lonzo Ball coming to the Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine still fills up a stat sheet in, mm-hmm. in the three major positions of points, rebounds, assists. Uh, and and became the de facto playmaker prior to Alonzo Ball coming. The thing that's beneficial for the Bulls is that they do have a closer and a mid-range juggernaut that is DeMar DeRozan. But I'll add this. They still do have Kobe White. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That hell no is a praise Jesus now because they have a guy that can fill a role um, at at a certain point. And you saw Mm -hmm. that points last season. The other thing that I think the Chicago Bulls are blessed to have, and what is, is a big surprise to many people is Ayo DeSumo guy oh, that, yeah. is, that is born and bred Chicago uh, and, and surprised a lot of people uh, last season. Um, I, I look at this Chicago Bulls team. And the thing that is really just um, a blessing for them is they have Levine that's on the mend or who has been on the mend and, he, and, he's, and he's played well in practice and, um, you know, that all looks good for the camera, but uh, this is a guy that wants to be in Chicago, proved it, showed it, got his money. But I don't that's necessarily think that they, they they surprised a lot of people last season. I just think everybody thought that Brooklyn and Philadelphia were going to run away with it in the NBA's Eastern Conference. And mm-hmm. neither one of them went to the finals. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee Correct. did not go to the finals. And Boston took the role less traveled And defensively, uh, played well. I think the Chicago Bulls adding uh, Andre Drummond, uh, I think a bench piece, he's a better fit there uh, in Chicago. Um, But I also do think, um, you know, Kobe White said it best to me. Uh, He and I have, you know, built a a good rapport because we're both brand ambassadors of uh, Zenni Optical, the the official uh, sponsor of the Bulls, that I work across the Bulls. And I asked him, um, you know, last season, you know, what's it like kind of um, playing in the bull system this year? And he looked at me, he said, she, I played with three all-stars. I played with DeMar. I played with uh, uh, Zoe and I, I played with Vooch. Um, mm-hmm. They make his job easier. I, I kind of think Kobe is in a similar situation in Chicago uh, that um, Tyrese Maxey is in in Philadelphia. Okay. knowing when to pass, knowing when to score. Once you've mastered that, 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 that process, it's easier, you know, and, and, and I know Tyrese shared with me during the season and, and, and we bumped into each other during the finals, Sam Cassell was really big on pushing that philosophy. Um, And he really felt felt that once Harden came in uh, to Philly at the trade deadline, uh, he made things so much easier for that team. And so when I look at uh, Kobe White comparatively I think Kobe's in a very similar situation in Chicago
0: mm. that, that's a very good perspective of things and like I said you know some people start to panicking and it's it's a given you know we not go the season is not going early to the expectations with Lonzo's injury but hopefully we can turn around that we struggled with injuries last season and it managed just fine so we'll see so now I want to switch over from my favorite team to probably your favorite team <laughs> Brooklyn Nets Uh, We just got a first glimpse yesterday. Uh, Obviously not trying to draw any conclusions from a preseason game. That would be insane. But, uh, hey, Ben Simmons looks great. And I've been a huge Ben advocate, you know, for years when he was getting slandered for the whole thing in Philly. I think Brooklyn, when they got it, they definitely won the trade because they were the only team that didn't need Ben Simmons to learn how to shoot. If he's just that same one of the best Defender players in, in the league Then that, that's, that's good enough for them You know, he's still an amazing playmaker One of the best in the league as well What kind of expectations do you have for the Nets Going into the season?
1: They are in a situation uh, Where they're healthy um, And I do think that uh, This is a put up or shut up year for Brooklyn Because this is a contract year for Kai This is a four year partnership um, And I think that they're in a better position uh, with their big three now than they were with Harden. I've, I like James Harden a lot. I think he's a better fit in Philly. Um, I've always kind of lamented about the fact um, that, the, that the Nets gave up so much to get Harden. Um, like Jared Allen being gone is the same problem the Nets have now. Mm-hmm. The one benefit that I think that the Nets do have is Nicholas Claxton, who they say put on seven to ten pounds of muscle, it, you know, cut his cut his hair off, and um, but at the same time, I, I marvel at the connectivity that uh, Nicholas Claxton and both he will have with Kai and with uh, Simmons uh, mm-hmm. off off off-screening rolls, no look passes, and just grabbing rebounds and and jamming. Um, I really think that um, playing alongside Simmons and Kai specifically are a a huge playground for Claxton. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also look at some of the other uh, pieces that Brooklyn has. Uh, I like Sumner uh, backing up Kai off the bench. I like Seth Curry once healthy and, and still on the men. I ran into him in San Fran during the finals. Uh, as he was celebrating with his brother and the war was winning. And uh, he he's, he told me then that was very excited for what's to come. I like a healthy Joe Harris. Um, I, I, you notice I haven't really even mentioned Kevin Durant yet. You know who he is. Right. <laughs> we
0: really have to talk about him.
1: But I, but I think at the same time, I, I think it just has to flow. Um, mm. I, I think this, this Nets team um, is missing a couple of things. Um, but I do think that the things that they were complaining about, they got, um, I, I do like the fact that they did get TJ Warren um, this offseason. Uh, I, I spent some time with TJ out at a, at a J, at an after party for J. Cole's Dreamville, and he spoke about how much he took the time to just shut everything down last season um, and really flow with... Uh, his, his 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 rehab process, his trainers, and more, and he's still taking that approach. It seems uh, in the offseason is and starting the regular season to get right. I don't need fifty points in the bubble, TJ, but I do need a solid eighteen or twenty every other game. Um, I, I really just think the Nets are in a good place. Um, they are a Dwight Howard, um, Carmelo Anthony appearance away uh, from uh, from a veteran leadership perspective of doing the thing. I also like the the the. Um, my my Asian brother, I can't think of his name right now, but I, I like I like I think his name is Utah. I like I like him on that team as well. Um, I really think they got a steal with him. I also do like the Morris twin. Um, mm-hmm. They for them they the Nets and the Morris twin got their version of PJ Tucker. It's a lot of nice guys on that Nets team. They need a couple assholes, and he fits that mold.
0: Absolutely. That's a great I love what you said that, you know, they're in a better position now than where with James Harden, because maybe you might say James Harden is a better individual player. But with what the Nets have and with the amount of scoring that the team has, Ben Simmons is a superstar that doesn't need touches as much. And that's that that's going to help him.
1: And defensively, he helps them as well. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, just just the fact that Ben Simmons is not on the other one of the 29 teams covering Kevin Durant already
1: helps him. Yeah, <laughs> okay. because that's because that's what the Nets were missing against Boston. They needed mm-hmm. that third option. They even missed that the year before when Harden got hurt in the playoffs against the Bucks, and, and the mm-hmm. Nets still took that the distance. They were mm-hmm. a tall way from making it to the next round.
0: Well, right was close, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, this Nets team, they, they still got work to do, and the East is loaded. Like you talked about the West, the East is still loaded. Like, you know, Philly to me won the offseason because James Harden took less money. Uh, yeah. They got, they Tucker. They bought in Daniel house. They're making it Philadelphia. They're making the, the Philadelphia rockets as their team to me. I know a couple of years ago, they talked about the Bull, the, the Timberwolves. They called them the Timber bulls. Um, mm-hmm. You, you, you look at this, You look at this, I see, I almost said it again. You look at this Sixers team, you know, you, you, you even added, um, the big man from Charlotte and, um, uh, uh hill Yeah, he, he has. The, he got the, the deal with with um the Sixers because of the relationship with uh, Doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you just there's a lot of there's a lot of things that I like that Philadelphia did. Um, I, I like I'm more proponent for Tyrese Maxey. I like um I like Joel Embiid um Miami still competitive in my mind um Milwaukee won a year ago or year and a half ago um and and I still think I I'm not looking at them as a as a final favorite but I I'm, I'm interested to see what the Cavaliers are going to be so you mm-hmm. know you look at the east yeah the east is competitive I I, I like the the, the parity uh in the east and I really think that when I talk about Cleveland uh, they're going to benefit from not just Donovan Mitchell, but the connectivity of Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Love together. It gives me, Bron, um, love vibes. Hmm.
0: I like that. That's, that's a very good perspective on it as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. East is going to be definitely a lot of fun to watch. There's going to be a lot of teams that are good and normally would playoff teams that would have to be in the play-in or out of the playoffs completely. It's just unfortunate situation
1: you can't leave out boston i didn't mention them you know what they they're the reigning eastern conference champions obviously personal matters that went on are personal matters but they Mm -hmm. still have their interim coach who was part of that bench i was Mm -hmm. disappointed that damon stoudemire wasn't given more coaching considerations but because he's very well respected in that locker room um but 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 boston is still boston i i I like the fact that they added malcolm brogdon this offseason i really think that that the at times Uh, the plenary that will include uh, both he and Marcus Smart on the court alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and and Al Horford. I'm excited to see that, particularly because I think Today's NBA is predicated upon large point guards, a la Ben Simmons, a la LeBron James, a la Lamar Odom, Magic Johnson, and, and the list goes on and on, James Harden. So, you know, I, I think Boston has something to, um, they're overlooked, and I think everybody's going to give the popularity vote to the Brooklyn Nets. I like the, the fact that the Nets are under the radar, um, mm-hmm. but, but but really and truly, the, 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 the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers. To me, they're the, the pride and joy of the NBA's Eastern Conference.
0: Most likely. And I, I love how you brought in Dwight Howard and Carmelo. Uh, Dwight, to me, is probably the biggest shock that he hasn't been signed yet. Uh, first of all, I'd say Celtics probably had, at least in my opinion, the best offseason outside of the little drama that they got recently. Um, but yeah, Dwight should have been signed. Like, there are so many teams that can use him, even places like Milwaukee, right? They need a solid backup center. And uh, it seems so obvious, yet... Even with the Celtics, even with a lot of teams, literally half of the league, doesn't make a lot of sense to me (laughs) with the Dwight case. Well, the last NBA thing that I want to get your opinion on is the fact that in recent years, we saw an influx of European players. And, you know, I I grew up in Europe, so it's a personal subject to me. I want to hear your opinion. Um, You can say it started kind of with Perzingis, you know, once he made it to the league and he got booted at the draft day. And then the fans actually saw him play and it was like, oh shit they know how to play there too <laughs> and ever since you know teams been more like open in general to bring european players do you think it's more team standpoint them being more open and more willing to try european players or is it just the fact that european players just as a talent level or more up there now
1: i don't really feel like that's anything new like i i know you, you said porzingis um who I, I was just with him a couple weeks ago, he's he's looking very um, comfortable in his new digs mm. in Washington. But if you, you got to take it back a little further, um, you know, you look at the last 20 years of basketball, 20, 25 years of basketball, um, you you have to credit the San Antonio Spurs and the, and the Sacramento Kings um, mm-hmm. for, their, for their level of comfortability. You look at the Spurs, uh, obviously you think of Tim Tony Parker, you think of um, Manu Ginobili. Um, I remember when they were calling him Emmanuel Ginobili. Um, you, you look at, <laughs> uh, and then you look at the Sacramento side, Pages Stoyakovich, uh, and you look at Vlade, but you know, you really take, you, you, you pull the rug back a little more I take it back to Drazen Petrovic and Vlade Divac specifically.
0: Tony um, Kukoc,
1: sure. Tony Kukoc as well. Um, Tony Kukoc and Michael Jordan in the Olympics, they were going toe to toe. That was that was standing room only, um, entertaining and just great basketball. And, you know, you look at Tony Kukoc and a lot of people, you know, compare Luka in some ways his game to Tony coach because of his ability to to, to, to to play multiple positions from positions one to three. Uh, but Drazen Petrovic, man, was one of a kind. Uh, I know we talk about Luka. I know we talk about Tony Kukoc. I know we talk about Dirk Nowitzki. I know we talk about a bunch of people. But um, I, I really feel like Drazen Petrovic was the, the gold standard and was ahead of the curve um, and, and I also have to give credit to big men like Arvidas Sabonis, Sabonis,
0: who oh, made it cool man.
1: for guys uh, like uh, our buddy over in Denver uh, to, to kind of move the way the, the way he moves Jokic. So I, I think, you know, you even look at uh, Yusuf Nurkic, guy from Bosnia, plays for the mm-hmm. Portland Trailblazers. So like a lot of guys were pioneers uh, that ushered. Um, you know basketball to be such a, a positionless position a positionless game, but um, the European curve to me usually takes about one to three years, because I really feel like the American game um, is different, right? Oh, so, it is.
0: It absolutely is.
1: So when you look at the American game, you have high school phenoms. They go mm-hmm. to college, and they go to the NBA. And I think sometimes, depending on the player, they get a little lazy defensively. They know that they're this player or that player. But then I, I push back against it at the same time because you look at players who go to like Oak Hill Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Brandon Jennings did go to Oak Hill Academy, and then he didn't have the grades to get into Arizona. He was accepted, but then he played in Italy. Italy made him better, mm-hmm. right? But True. then you look at like... You look at Luca, who had been a professional since he was like what, 15, 16 years old? 14, I think, yeah. And, and that just gives you not that doesn't that doesn't just give you playing experience, that gives you confidence. Mm-hmm. Because all this is is a case study on what it is to be a pro. Basketball is put it, it's as much as it's putting a ball in a hoop, and as much as it's running up and down the court, it's also how to be a professional, how to dress. Who to have in your circle? Um, how to promote yourself as a brand? You look at Lamelo Ball. Lamelo Ball is another case study in that: leaving high school, going overseas, uh, and, and just doing all those things, and coming back to, to the states and playing in a, for a U.S. market in Charlotte Hornets, and having a following. Like basketball is like being a, a reality star or, or or being an actor now. It's it's like Leonardo DiCaprio one on one. So. I remember watching him on the TV show "Grown Pains." It's so much more to it than just putting a ball in a hoop. So, I think for the American game, the internet has been the the equalizer for for European and, and American players. But I feel like at the same time, um, it just comes down to how bad you want it and, and whether mm. you 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 really want it and whether you just want to be silly. And, and guys are taking advantage of it.
0: Yeah, that's very that's very true. I mean, yeah. Going back, there were always European players. It's just recently we see more big stars, and obviously we had Dirk and we had Tony Parker before, but like guys like Luka and Jokic, basically running the league. I feel like it's relatively new, so and but I think there's gonna be even more of that.
1: Detlef Schrempf, Sarunas Marcelonis. Um... Just, I remember my mom used to call Detlef dead Shrimp dead-eye. That's what she called She would call him Detlef. And he had a dead eye because he could hit that ball, hit that shot from downtown. So, yeah, I, I think the European game has always been there. I just think that now the European player, in some aspects, are just as good, if not better, than some of the, the American players that are in the league.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you put top five European players against top five American players right now. It, it is a matchup. It is a game. It's it's not lopsided as it used to be. And it's good for the sport In the end of the day, 100%. And even looking at the upcoming draft, you know, Victor Rambanyama right there, God yep. knows what we're going to get with this. <laughs> yep. If he's say, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, and I didn't even give credit to Giannis. Giannis is Giannis is an mm-hmm. organization, won the championship. It wasn't part of that b- good old boy's buddy-buddy club. He just does him. And mm-hmm. he puts in the work and it shows he loves his kid, he loves his his, his, his lady and goes about his business and takes his, his his ass home. And um yeah, so I yeah, man, I I think the future is bright with basketball, the European game, uh, the American game. Um, I, I I think that you know, even from the, the what's gonna happen in, in the next year or so with the collective bargaining agreement as it relates to you know one and done versus letting somebody come in at 18. I think now scouts and teams have more um to go by with uh, st- qualitative and quantitative data based upon what somebody's gonna be I just think there's more out there now versus the early 2000s where guys were just jumping from high school to the program
0: you think it's just more overall European scouting now going on
1: it's European scouting but you, you also have to look at just the person mm-hmm. um, and the maturity level of that person I know what I was like at 18 mm-hmm. um I'm, I know that I started at twelve. I thought that I could, you know, be a first round pick, you know, at ESPN and do my thing. But realized that I had a lot more growing to to do. Now, of course, being a journalist and being an NBA player are two different things. But there's still a level of maturity, and you have to mature as well with, you know, your mind, body, soul. As you as you are, what you do in the court, it all has to balance. Everybody's not, everybody doesn't have that light switch like LeBron had, and LeBron had a good team around him. Tracy McGrady didn't blow up right away um Kobe didn't blow up right away Jermaine O'Neal didn't go up grow up right you know glow up right away it, it took time so he was Steph yeah yeah so you know even Steph Curry being a child of you know a, a, an NBA player um it took time it took injuries it took him switching from Nike to Under Armour you, you still have to have that time to grow as a person
0: absolutely 100 percent going back though to what you say about media exposure I mean as just hey just just from my experience media expor- exposure and in- europe overseas in general with the with basketball is a little different so it's probably going to change but hey if you got a minute after this just just go on google and look up a high school gym like bosnia and you, you'll see what <laughs> there's no media nobody nobody's taking no footage there right So but it, it is changing right now so last little question i'm going to ask you before i let you go and this is something that i ask everybody and we're keeping track of and it's a very simple question but the one that never dies in the basketball community and you can name whoever i just want to know the answer and your reasoning who is the goat
1: michael
0: okay well. <laughs> and no explaining right that's i
1: mean michael is the reason why i, I watch basketball um I, I started watching in 91 when the bulls won their first championship um i i will say that um The generation that is a little younger than me, they recognize Kobe as their GOAT, and that's fine. I think the one thing about basketball is everybody has their opinion. And just because Mm -hmm. somebody has an opinion, it doesn't make it fact. That's just how you feel. I always take it back to a conversation I had with Shaq on my podcast, Scoopy Radio, where where Shaq said, you look at the NBA, and it's literally like a McDonald's menu. He said, who's the Big Mac? Michael. But then you got filet of fish. You got chicken nuggets. You had the quarter pounder. You, you have a chicken sandwich, you have the chicken select, you have fries. There's a place for everybody. Everybody's not going to be Michael. Everybody's not going to be Kobe. Everybody's not going to be LeBron. Uh, but there is still a Dominique Wilkins. There's still a Reggie Miller. There's still a Gary Payton. There's still a Patrick Ewing. There's still a Hakeem, Um, and, and, I, and I think there's room for everybody. I think in the 75, 70, now 76 years of the NBA, um, there are guys that today – People who are, are younger than me don't know who Slick Watts or Jack Sigma are. There's people who don't know that the significance of Dave Cowens. They don't understand the significance of um, who Malik Sealy was or who uh, Bobby Phils was. There's, there's a lot of history in basketball. So while I acknowledge Michael as my GOAT, Kobe might be somebody else's goal. We could still be friends because that's still the remnants of Kobe and, and or remnants of Michael and Kobe's game. I, the, the crazy thing is, I think the untimely death of Kobe Bryant, um, unfortunately, um, is going to bridge the gap even closer uh, and mm-hmm. when people try to compare Michael and, and LeBron, um, because Kobe's not here to speak for himself and he's not active anymore. God, mm-hmm. bless, God bless the dead. Um, but I, I feel at the same time, if you watch them, you don't have to defend it. You, you, you know his greatness. Um, I knew Kobe. I know his family well. I went to college down the street from Lower Marion High School. Um, I, I've, I'm blessed to have seen seen Michael, Kobe, and LeBron play live in their primes. Um, I watched Kobe's last All-Star game in Toronto. I was around Michael and the Bulls. I was in the locker room with Dennis Rodman, Scotty, and Michael back in the 90s. For me personally, um, the level of, of excitement that I got meeting Michael, the only other person that, that, that I got that level of excitement with was being around Jay-Z. Uh, but at the same time, um, they're all great in their respective field and, and I have nothing but respect for all three so we could argue about that all day it's great for content but Michael is my goat I have a respect mm-hmm. for LeBron I enjoy watching his game
0: yeah and, and this is not to convince anybody I literally just like collecting opinions and see what people put in it like you said I mean there's no right answer to it and with generations to it with knowledge and with the new accomplishments and accolades you can't change people's opinions it's not something that we can be set on but i appreciate your input on this for sure and i and i love this shack quote as well if this doesn't sound like shack i don't know what does (laughs) (laughs) the whole mcdonald's thing
1: (laughs) he's talking big business that shack all day
0: yeah absolutely well this is all i wanted to ask you today thank you so much for joining me before i let you go if you don't mind just tell people where they can find you
1: uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Scoop B um, check out all my work at Bally sports network as their uh, national NBA insider uh, beginning October 18th. I, I have a weekly show the, via the Spotify live app called our uh, Scoopy sources uh, and, and check out. I'm a content creator through uh, Bovada sports betting as well. We, we sat down with everybody uh, from Terrell Owens to um, Mitch Richmond, who played on a legendary run TMC team with mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the Warriors um, a myriad of other people. I can go on and on in a day, but follow me on Twitter at Scoopy. Um, that's where you can get everything. We've even sat down with, uh, Jim Jones, uh, from the, the group, uh, the Dipset. Dip so, yes, sir. Sports, entertainment, lifestyle. Uh, we are in there like swimming, brother. Thank you for the opportunity to be myself.
0: All right. Appreciate it once again. And guys, I'll catch you later. Don't forget to hit a like and subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify, live five-star rating. And remember, you can't get any closer to basketball than courtside with Salva.